Life Audio. Hey everyone, welcome back to How to Study the Bible. I'm your host, Nicole Yunus. I'm so glad to be on this journey with you guys. Each and every week, we open up a passage of scripture and we just follow a simple method that we call the Alive Method, just asking four questions of the passage of scripture that we're in. This is based on just a concept called inductive Bible study that's been around for a long time, but this is maybe just a fresh way to look at that. And if this is new for you, you've never studied the Bible before, or you're new to the podcast, I just want to point you to the resource. I have a 30-day book called Help My Bible's Alive that gives you a 30-day boot camp into how to study your Bible. Um, It is a little bit challenging, but not too challenging. It's a way for you to really get into the headspace of how you actually read your Bible. And one of my favorite things about getting to write that Bible study was people who just have been in the church for a long time, who came to me and said, you know, I've never really learned how to use a study Bible. I didn't know that these resources were here for me. And I feel like I'm experiencing God in brand new ways because of understanding just how to use a study Bible and how to, to study a passage of scripture. So I want that for you. If you're out there and that's something that you want, I want that for you too. So you can check that out or you can go all the way back to the beginning of this podcast many, many moons ago, and you can listen to the first six episodes, six to eight episodes, kind of give you a feeling for how we do this Bible studies. Hey guys, we're here because the Bible has changed so many lives. So just take a second and think about if you didn't have access to a Bible or you weren't even allowed to have one. This is a reality that many around the world are facing, which is why I want to tell you about one of our partners, Crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country and they are seeing people come to know Jesus. There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language, and that's where you come in. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my new book, Not What I Signed Up For. Simply text STUDY to 71326 to help today. That's S-T-U-D-Y or visit give.crew.org slash study. Again, that's give.cru.org slash study. Message and data rates may apply and available to U.S. addresses only. So guys, I'm joined today again by my friend, Rachel Toon. She's the Dean of Spiritual Formation at Montreat College, which is actually not the most important thing about you. It feels like we always have to tell people what we do for our jobs. But my favorite thing about Rachel is that she truly loves God's word and like loves to be a student of the Bible, just like I do. And we've just been able to have amazing conversations together. So Rachel. It's always a good time. Hey, everybody. Thanks for having me back. It's good to be back. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So another Bible question. I asked you a couple weeks ago who your favorite current Bible character is. What's a part of the Bible that always, let's say, is challenging? Not in, It doesn't have to be a bad way, but it's just like, this is a this is challenging part of the Bible for me. Hmm. Well, I know for for me, just even lately, and kind of thinking along those lines, we've been doing a series at the college in Genesis called okay. uh, uh, Dysfun- Dysfunctional. Yeah. <laughs> and looking at all the dysfunctional families in Genesis. 
And that is super challenging of when you realize that the story God tells about his own people is rough, yeah. which is great because we get to be in on that. But man, taking a deep dive into some of that family crazy is no joke. Yeah, I think that that's such a good point. And like, if I was going to answer that question, like something challenging to me, not necessarily bad challenging, but just challenging is that I just I kind of want I just want all the happy endings. Like I want all the stories to wrap up. I really I want the people who repent to become really good. Like I just I want, you know, I want justice against those who are like sinning against people and against the Lord. And that's just not a lot of those stories are left undone. It's just not. And it's just challenging because to me, it means life is there's a lot that's going to be left undone, like on this in this earthly life. And we can look forward to a time in heaven where there is no more crying or mourning or tears. But until then, like there are a lot of us. It's going to be a little bumpy. Yeah, there's undone things. And, you know, we've been talking about the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter five, six and seven in this series. And I do think Jesus is like gives the ultimate reality check. It's like. He he addresses what it actually is like, but also invites us in to a path of joy and peace and freedom, even in the midst of all the stuff that remains undone and unclear and and hard. So that's kind of where we're at today. We're working our way through Matthew, Matthew chapter five. We're going to wrap up Matthew five today before we get into Matthew six next week. There's a lot left in Matthew that we're laughing because I feel like we could go one verse at a time. But as you guys remember, I've been inviting and encouraging you to just read the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. I hope by now you've read it one time, maybe five times, because each time you read it, different things are going to stick out and you may have a lot of questions and that, that creates some tension. But I think the tension is good. And we're going to address some of that tension today as best we can. There's plenty of it. Jesus <laughs> is not playing yeah. in our section. Okay, so Rachel, catch us up just in case, you know, we're we're catching on or this is the first week we're listening to. What's happened so far in our teaching over the last couple of weeks as we get into Matthew 5, verse 17? Yeah, so so to riff off a, a text note and a study Bible, this is this is King Jesus's inaugural address. It's my favorite. It's such a great description. Yeah. And so Jesus has really kicked off his ministry in Matthew, and he has done it with a bang. And so he starts with the blessings, the Beatitudes, which we took kind of a deep dive into. And so he starts with who belongs in the kingdom of God. And it's none of the people that you expect yeah. belong in the kingdom of God, which is it's so grace-filled and sweet and beautiful. And so he pivots from there and builds on that, though. So then now we're asking, all right, what are kingdom people like? Mm -hmm. What are they like on the outside? And what are they like on the inside? And I think that's how he's going to spend a lot of the rest of Matthew 5 is kind of wrestling with some of those questions. So we talked about salt and light the last time. And how does the world experience a member of Jesus's kingdom? Mm -hmm. And it's really interesting. It's a go listen to the podcast where we did that whole thing. And so now though Jesus is gonna he's he's coming for us. He's about to turn <laughs> up for us. He's gonna turn up the temperature. And we're about to read what I think is some of the hardest ethical teaching in world history. And we get to read it with Jesus. And so it is really good news. Uh but buckle buckle up, y'all, because it's gonna be it's gonna be a time. Okay, because I'm gonna say the <laughs> the passage that we chose to read on on air today, we're gonna get into the rest of it too. But I actually think it's pretty easy as an American recent or even if you're not American, just like just go modern Christian to be like, oh, this isn't about me because right. like I'm not Jewish. But let's read it. And then we're going to look at what it what it means. So I'm going to read us uh, 17 through 20. And then you can just give us an, a flyover of the rest of it. OK. All right. Here we go. Matthew 5, 17 through 20. Take a deep breath. 
This is the word of the Lord. That means that it is alive and active, that the Spirit of God can move in our lives in the way that we listen and discover in Scripture. So let's just go to God's word together. This is Jesus talking. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Okay, record scratch. First of all, first of all, Dean, is is Jesus talking about the Old Testament law when he's saying anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands? Or is he talking about the next commands that he's about to give in the chapter? Oh, man. Good question. Uh, I would say yes. (laughs) And so because you guys, just so you know, if you haven't read it along or if you're looking at your if you're looking at your Bible right now, you're going to see some subtitles, subtitles, murder, adultery divorce, oaths, eye for eye, love for enemies. So all of a sudden we're going to read all of these kind of rules like that that Jesus is going to give. So when he says none of these things are abolished, every single thing matters. Does he mean the whole massive chunk of the Old Testament that came before this? Or does he mean what he's about to say? I love this question. <laughs> uh, listen, we really are taking a deep dive today. And I, I really do think yes uh, to both okay. of those answers. There are people who might interpret that differently, but I think in terms of backstory, right, we need to recognize, one, Jesus is a Jew. Yeah. And the God's redemptive plan for the world starts with Abraham and his family. And so and so it's not like the, the Old Testament's the VHS tape of Scripture where we just, you know, it's not a thing anymore. Right. It is still relevant, but how we understand it is and how we how we embody it looks different after Jesus uh, for a lot of theological reasons. That yeah. It's like <laughs> you go, I mean, obviously, like and many of us, if anyone's ever done that, you know, they just, it's like their New Year's resolution. And they're like, I'm going to read the whole Bible. And then they get to Leviticus. And Fall off the wagon. Never Leviticus. mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mistakes are being made. <laughs> you start reading and you're like, wait, what? <laughs> so Leviticus is full of law. Yeah. And this is saying, I mean, what it sounds like Jesus is saying is every single one of those laws applies. So how does that look? Because it, that's what I'm like. That's a whole big conversation. But then give us, give thing. us our, give but us our college think, level answer. I think verse eighteen is clutch for this. Okay. Because, so for truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one letter, not one stroke of a letter will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Um, I think that's a really important piece of this because a lot of what we read in Leviticus, like for example, sacrificial law, mm-hmm. the the role animals play in atonement. Yeah, Jesus right. does accomplish that. Right. 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 And so, so. I think when we read it with that lens, but also a lot of the Old Testament law, as we're going to see, because Jesus is going to riff off of it. Yeah. Of the Ten Commandments. Right. God right. still doesn't want you to go around and kill people. <laughs> he doesn't want you to go around sleeping around yeah. with, with your neighbor's wife. You know, so so I think that's a really, really helpful kind of framework. Another thing I think is helpful in answering this very big, important theological question is if you're um, if you're looking in the Bible in the cross reference section, it will punch you to Galatians three twenty four. Okay, and it punched me somewhere else. So oh, let's go yeah. both All right. All right. Okay, you go, go to Galatians. We're gonna go down the rabbit trail. It's gonna be great. Okay, so, so so Paul is talking in Galatians. If you're if you're any of you are familiar with that book, 
it's with Jews who are kind of saying, oh, you got to be you got to be super Jewish and be Christian. Like okay. you kind of layer on Jesus, but you also have to follow all the Jewish. Law. So they're basically saying the thing that I just asked you. About. Right, right. That's the yeah. question. Okay. And and Paul helps bring some clarity to that. Okay. And he actually throws some, some pretty great punches, actually. Go read that later. But he says this. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. So pause there. And the word guardian, if you forgive me, a nerdy moment. Oh, good. It's a nerd uh, moment. Nerd Glass, moment of the glasses off. Uh, um, that word, that actually is like literally kind of the nanny. So the person who babysat you. Okay. Until you became of age. Mm. And so the law babysat you and took good care of you. But now you're in a, you're in a different season of your life. Okay. And so how you're going to interact with that is different. And so in the next verse, it goes, but now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you're all sons of God through faith. Okay. So it's not that the Old Testament law has expired per se, but we totally understand it differently Mm -hmm. because of who Jesus is and what he has done and how we now participate in the kingdom of God after the death and resurrection of Christ. That's so good. And to to sort of circle back on that thought that you you pointed us to in this passage, this idea that like until everything is accomplished. So my cross-reference actually takes us to the end of Matthew where Jesus is speaking right before he goes to the cross. And he says, truly, I tell you, this is Matthew 24, verse 34. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened, meaning like all these things have been accomplished. Hey guys, we're here because the Bible has changed so many lives. So just take a second and think about if you didn't have access to a Bible or you weren't even allowed to have one. This is a reality that many around the world are facing, which is why I want to tell you about one of our partners, Crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country, and they are seeing people come to know Jesus. There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language, and that's where you come in. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my new book, Not What I Signed Up For. Simply text STUDY to 71326 to help today. That's S-T-U-D-Y or visit give.crew.org slash study. Again, that's give.cru.org slash study. Message and data rates may apply and available to U.S. addresses only. So here's the interesting thing. So we don't want to land on the side of the Galatians or on the side of like the super legalistic, like, no, you still, I mean, we don't, we don't sacrifice animals. There's so many things that we do not do in the law. But I think then the pendulum swings the other way where it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, no, it is the VHS tape. Like it's, it's expired. Like it's obsolete. We don't need any of it. But that sounds like what you're saying is that's not at all what Jesus is saying. So how does maybe what you said about the Ten Commandments, how does the Ten Commandments relate to kind of what happens next in the chapter? Mm. Well, again, in terms of backstory, one, read them if you've not read them, because that's going to help you understand where, yeah, where Jesus is going. Exodus or Deuteronomy, if you want to get crazy. It shows it. <laughs> oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, clearly people needed kind of like a refresh. So God, like, hit, hit them up with that. But in terms of, of any of this, what, what Christians have long believed is that you read all of Scripture through Jesus. That's how we understand it. And that's what what keeps us from going off the wagon one way or the other, Okay, either going hardcore legalistic or what? It doesn't matter what idea. Grace, everything's fine. Right. Paul talks about that, too. And so Jesus really is the if you if you want to use theology language, kind of the hermeneutical key 
want hermeneutics. That's a word I still don't even really know what it means, but that's the one we like in seminary. I think I said it at least once on this podcast. I'm like, guys, understand. yeah, like seminarians like to make up huge words we that do. nobody understands. But Usually really, it, it just, um, I know, it just means interpretation. It means like Bible interpretation. Right. So in other words, Jesus is the one whom which we interpret the Bible through. So why do we care so much about Sermon on the Mount and saying like, read it, read it, read it? Because it's almost like you're, it's like the the tele, like the viewpoint. It's the the viewfinder that you're going to use to now read the rest of the Bible, which you should read, by the way. And this is the Old Testament professor in me. But man, if you don't read the Old Testament, you are missing out so much on what it means to really understand who Jesus is and what he's done. Yeah. And I think when you get the big building blocks, like when we do what we're doing right now and we say, hey, here's a big building block. Sermon on the Mount connected to the Ten Commandments. Then when you go read the Ten Commandments, you can keep that in mind and be like, oh, okay, let me let me read it through that lens rather than maybe getting like hung up or like, oh gosh, and then this happened and that happened. I don't understand all this. You can read it through that viewfinder of who Christ is. Yeah, and then you won't completely freak out when you get to Leviticus. Yes. Exactly. Maybe maybe a little bit, but you just read it, read it fast. <laughs> okay. Okay. Back to the point. That was a big nerd nerd trail, but an important one, right? Because yeah. we're saying, okay, um, Jesus is saying he's he's completed something that changes the interpretation with which we read the law, but he's also not letting us off the hook. So talk to us about that, Ten Commandments, and what happens next. Well, I think one other kind of overarching thing to help us understand this is that God is consistent. Mm. And so what God desires for for flourishing and for humanity, for the world, and the Old Testament is the same as in the New Testament. Mm. And people experience that a little differently depending on kind of how redemptive history flows. But Jesus is bringing us back to this is what God has desired for us from the beginning. This is what that actually looks like. And I think a really beautiful, clarifying way because people kind of got caught up in the weeds. Yeah. And Jesus isn't saying, "Okay, God said this. Now I'm saying this. It's like Jesus is saying, this is what that means. Like Mm -hmm. I'm now like fully interpreting again to go back because I keep referring to it because I love at the end of Matthew 7 when it's like Jesus, like the people when he finished speaking, the people were astonished. Because he taught with authority. And I feel like this is where in the rest of Matthew 5, we really see that authority come out. So the so the super quick flyby. Yeah. Give us a fly. You're <laughs> our flyby. Part is ethical teaching in world history. Don't worry about it. It's fine. Here we go. Um, sixth commandment. Jesus is going to touch on that. That's you shall not murder. Okay. Which we're all like, yeah, yes. Okay. But Jesus is going to really raise the bar. And he says, not only do I not watch you going around killing people, but actually when somebody cuts you off in traffic and you cuss them out in your heart, it's the same thing. Yeah. In the eyes of God. So what I love is that we actually have a cultural reference to this. And the reference is the the phrase, you're dead to me. Yeah. So when we say you're dead to me, obviously, we don't like we're not we're like, oh, well, I'm not like actually murdering the person. And you might not use the phrase you're dead to me, but I bet you use it in your heart. It's the way that we guard our own vulnerability by saying, I am going to act like you are not a person who exists anymore. There is no greater hate than that kind of apathy, which is like you don't matter at all. And we use it all the time. We use it all the time, whether you say it or not. And that's the first one that Jesus gives as like, hey, you think this thing's wrong? I'm telling you that when you you have that that attitude, that perspective, that knee jerk toward people, all people, guys, think of someone that you really don't like right now. They're probably in the news cycle somewhere. I don't even have the name. Like you can mind. Like if you've got that feeling, I mean, it's so challenging when you think about that idea that Jesus is saying that's actually the bar. Like this, this commandment from the 10 commandments, that's the bar I'm setting. Yep. What happens? So that's, that's, that's just the, so low. <laughs> exactly. Okay. All right. Then we go on. So then he's going to, going to take on the seventh commandment and that's, um, you shall not commit adultery. 
right? So that's sexual fidelity in marriage from the Ten Commandments. But then Jesus is going to ante up yet again and say, it's not just about you not going around sleeping with a whole bunch of other people. That actually, when you look at somebody with the intention of objectifying them, you have as good as committed adultery in your heart in the eyes of God. Mm-hmm. And he's going to talk about divorce, too, and, and say, you can't just take divorce flippantly. Yeah. Um, that Jesus takes it really seriously. Uh, so that's going to be uh, seventh commandment. Any any further commentary on that one? <laughs> well, I just flying. What was well, what struck me is that in both of these cases, Jesus is just raising the bar on how precious humanity is, and it's so easy to forget this because it, it, this is a big cultural difference. Is I actually think it's still quite true in our day, but we we are more deceived about it. But at the time, like people weren't valuable. Like people weren't valuable to other people. Like you're, you're, you, that's not how it works. You're not just Especially women because you always got the end of the deal. Yeah. And children. And, children, and, yeah. and, that, and, and, and Jesus loves women and children. That's what you see. You know, you, there's a lot of personal interaction, children and women. So Jesus is raising the bar on like the precious image of God ref- reflected in all of humanity because you can't objectify anyone. You can't cut anyone off in your heart. You can't treat any. You have to pray for your enemies. Like it's all of a sudden everyone is very, very valuable. And that is so like convicting and moving to me. Yeah, it's really beautiful. Yeah. So the, all right. So then we're on into the law of oaths. OK. And so this is I do think this is actually connected to the Ten Commandments, okay. but specifically it's a reference out of Leviticus 19. And and I believe a passage in Deuteronomy as well. This is an interesting one. And this is one that I've managed to be like, oh, Jesus, maybe he was tired at this point, wasn't really thinking as clearly. Because, like, why is this a big deal? You know, the perfect son of God was just tired and not. He needed a snack. He hadn't had his coffee yet. And so he kind of like kind of derailed a little bit. But I think this one is especially interesting for I am a flaky millennial, Mm -hmm. like all of the other millennials out there. And Jesus is saying, I actually don't want you to swear oaths by vouched for by God or by anything else that I actually want your yes to be yes, your no to be no. And don't over spiritualize your language. Your actions should be indicating your your character and that you're reflecting who God is. You don't need to stick God's name on stuff. I just want you to live like me. Then that will that will seal your word. Be a person who does what you say you're going to do. Yeah. So Jesus cares about speech, right? Yeah. So again, so so all the millennials out there who are hitting maybe on Evites, like I really do think, I think this is for us. <laughs> like, yes, 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 and you're no, be no. I think that's actually oh, it's a very strong seriously ethical teaching too, because all of this like New Year's resolutions and all these things. Well, I'm going to be a new person, and, and Jesus is like, you're going to be a new person by having your insides match your outside. And I'm like, if you're not, then don't say it. Yeah, like. Zone. And also, I think it's it's in some ways, it's almost like Jesus is peering into the reality of the human heart because vows, a lot of places, vows did not go well for people in the Old Testament. Like it didn't go well. Like <laughs> people make these vows and they don't go well because they can't hold up, they'll hold them up. Now, it's not it's not like Jesus is letting us off the hook about who we are, who we're becoming. But I think he's actually accurately stating who we are. And who we're becoming. And it's much more important to let your yes be yes and your no be no than to set lofty ideals for yourself that you're just going you're just going to fail at because it's really a daily to me. This is about the day by day, you know. Yeah. And I actually I said, I do think this that oh, it actually goes back to um the Ten Commandments of not taking God's name in vain, mm-hmm. which is about sticking God's name on something God doesn't claim. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and how much how many problems that we run into in culture right now? Yes. We're, we're attaching God to stuff. Yes. And we're yeah, we're connecting even the this this one is is very difficult for me but connecting even the actions of christ to political leaders like that is not 
He's upset about that. Yeah. And this is the third thing he says after murder and adultery. This is important wow. to him. Yeah. And so I've learned not to skip this one. Yeah. Which I did really good. <laughs> really good. So then we're and it just I said the temperature is turning up and up and up. So then we get to my heading in my study Bible calls the law of retaliation. But this is the turning the other cheek okay. section, right? If anyone strikes you in the right cheek, which I think that language is important because that implies a backhanded slap. Uh, right. If someone's going to punch me in the face, they would hit the left side. Yeah. yeah. When someone really degrades and insults you, Jesus talks about turning the other. And he's talking about lawsuits, about being compelled into service to carry somebody's a soldier's back back a mile. And what I just noticed that I think is really interesting in this section is these are not abstract spiritual examples. Mm. These are like regular life things right. that a, a first century a Jew would encounter on a pretty regular basis. Yeah, like this is not like, I think that's really important. I always try to think of, we should think of like, it's important to think of modern examples because it would have it would have felt modern on the ears of those who first heard it. And what's interesting about a backhanded slap or carrying someone's backpack, like you said, those are things that you have to do because you have less power. Mm-hmm. Like you're in a position, someone is lording over you. Someone is powering up over you. And that is very detestable to our American culture, millennial, whatever. Gen X culture. Oh, Gen, oh, I'll go Gen X on you. Yeah. Like Gen X is like oh, rage against the machine. No authority. Stick you man. Not, yeah, do not tell me what to do. And so the fact that Jesus is addressing people who have a power dynamic over them that would allow them to be in a position where they get a backhand slap or are forced to do something that they don't want to do. Like, wow. And he's saying, do those things. I mean, mm-hmm. and what's so crazy. I just imagine Jesus. some people getting up and leaving at yeah. this point. Like, I'm, as I'm he's talking. That. Yeah. yeah. And, and what's so crazy about Jesus and his kingdom and how he works and we're right. And we're recently off of Easter, right? Is that mm-hmm. and in Jesus, Jesus breaks the power of power. Yeah. Or at least worldly power. Mm. And totally reclaims and reframes it in in God's kingdom. Yeah, I mean, it is interesting. If you know, I'm I, you have no power over me, and it doesn't matter if someone slaps you back, a backhand slap, because you're not giving them the power to degrade you. Like, like what regardless, would it be of like, I actually really experientially feel free from that. I, don't know. I mean, I that that's just a really compelling, staggering, hard sounding thing. <laughs> you remember in um. You remember when Jesus goes to the cross, and I think it's in John, where he has this interaction with Pilate. And yeah. Pilate's like, do you know what power I have over you? I have the power to free you. And Jesus is like, you don't have any power. Like, That's cute. Except what's given to you by my father. And yeah. like, what a statement of identity, like for us to realize, like, no, like that's not that's when we're citizens of the kingdom. No, no, people don't have like. This is the way that we get to live. This is what belonging looks like. This is what action looks like. And I know this is incredibly, and believe me, everyone's like, this is an impossible teaching, but it doesn't mean that it's not the ideal. Like, let's not, let's not throw it out because we're like, oh, that's not even possible. I'm like, but really? What would it be possible to bless the person who cuts you off in traffic? Like, what about the person who, you know, mansplains or whatever? Like, would it be possible to be like, I love this person. Like, I don't have to fall prey to what the world tells me I have to act like now because a person has lorded over me or treated me wrong or is not like kind to me when I'm their customer and it's customer service. You know, like name the small things that we engage with every day. And I think there there are, there are passages in the Bible where you read them and you're like, oh, this is, I'm not entirely sure what he's getting at. It is a little bit difficult to figure out. And then there are some that 
you wish weren't clean. (laughs) (laughs) This is one of those. (laughs) But it's pretty clear. It's pretty clear. It's pretty clear. I think Jesus intends to be taken seriously, even as we know that on this side of, of heaven, we will not experience full perfection, but Jesus is at work in us. And I do think he intends that, that we really take him seriously on this. I think and as we wrap up for today, I think when we ask that question, what does this mean for me? I think what I want to invite you guys to, because this is still countercultural, it was so countercultural then, but it still is. I just want to invite you to look for inputs in your life, just things that you read, things that come across your screen, what you scroll, that is counter to this. And just Try to ask God to illuminate what those are, because I think there's just so many ways that we're just kind of swimming in the culture that we're in that we don't realize, oh, man, like Jesus is inviting me to something really different than this. And I just find it so compelling that at least according to Jesus, kind of the the real if you really want to take the temperature of spiritual maturity, you want to use that language. It's in the little annoyances of your day to day life that yeah. really kind of tell you about where our opportunities and sanctification opportunities shall be <laughs> God still bring new life in you yeah yeah um, which is pretty beautiful yeah so if you haven't if you haven't sensed God moving and working in your life in a while pay attention to what's annoying you and ask yourself what might be Jesus what what might Jesus be inviting me to right here in this daily annoyance all right you guys tough words but Woo. exciting so exciting to be in this sermon on the Mount together we'll talk to you guys next week How to Study the Bible with Nicole Eunice is a production of Life Audio and Salem Media. If you like what you heard today, please take a second to rate and review the podcast in your favorite podcast app so that more listeners like you can find the show. For more faith-filled, inspirational podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com. Has fear stolen your peace? I'm Jennifer Slattery, lead host of the Faith Over Fear podcast, helping you fight your fears and grow your faith. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com.